It's time for episode 110 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 28, 2015. Clockwise. Four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where chickens go clock. Clock. Uh, <laughs> they're not all going to be winners, folks. This podcast is over. <laughs> I'm your co-host Dan Morin, <laughs> and across the country from me is my co-host Jason Snell. Sorry, Jason, it had to be done. Oh, 110 hi, episodes in, you start running out of intro. Lines. Yeah, you're fired. It's over. Uh, anyway, this is Clockwise, where we talk about technology for 30 minutes after we give you bad puns about chickens. And we do it with two, the help of two fantastic guests. To my left. Our Slovenian correspondent, Mr. Andrzej Tomic. Hello. And to my left, it is Giant Space Cat, game developer extraordinaire, podcaster extraordinaire at Relay 2 Podcast there. It's Brianna Wu. Hello. What's crackalackin'? So let's kick off today with the first of our four topics, uh, listening to yesterday's Apple financial results. Uh, I noticed, as probably did everybody else, iPad sales, not so great. They continue to decline. Meanwhile, Mac sales are going up. We had an all-time record, quarterly record for Mac sales. So what does this tell you? Is the post-PC era not quite ready for prime time? Andre, what do you think? Well, I just think the like the moves Apple made with the iPad Pro and stuff, I think all of that sort of makes sense because if they want more people to use them, because right now, I mean, tablets really are the, you know, the thing you have at home and maybe use if you remember to use it for like email and like three web pages, right? So I think like we're just in this middle period where they're not quite ready for the prime time, I guess, for just people using them as as they use uh, laptops and like laptops are still kind of getting lighter and sort of, you know, more mobile if that's a word. But yeah, so just, I think it's just this middle period. I think it's going to pick up because the tablet is a pretty great thing and the stuff Microsoft's doing with the Surface stuff, it's kind of awesome. So I don't know. I, I think maybe it's just not not yet. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Now, now some people love uh, tablets. I think the, the, the one of the problems here is that it's not as universal a device as, as some other devices are. Because I use my iPad all the time. If I'm not sitting at my computer here in my office working and I'm uh, doing stuff in the in the house on like in the living room or in the bedroom on uh, on the internet, it's uh, it's the iPad. I use the iPad all the time. But other people like tr- bought one and tried it and said, "Meh, I, this doesn't fit." In to my life, so I, I think one of the problems is it's it's more of a niche device than maybe we thought. Um, and but I do agree. I think it also maybe is it's a little bit early. Um, and uh, so you know we'll we'll see. I think I think it's interesting that Mac sales hit a record. <laughs> again this quarter uh, that is a pretty funny trajectory and so for all the focus that uh, f- the financial analysts and other people have had on the iPad which they didn't even ask about this time Tim Cook was sort of plaintively like does anybody <laughs> want to ask me about the iPad I will Talk tell you about my iPad uh, it's just kind of amazing um, but uh, they've sort of given up on it but you know don't keep uh, don't don't forget that the Mac sales in a, in a time when PC market is supposed to be uh, flat to down the Mac sales are uh, are hitting record highs and that's a pretty good business for them. So, yeah, you know, it's a variety. The iPad is not the thing that I think the, we all got caught up in the hype and thought that it might be the best new thing ever and wipe computers off of the face of the earth. And that didn't happen. Uh, I think it's still a nice business that's got room to grow. And I think the iPad Pro is a is a good uh, step in exploring different ways of doing it. I think that what Microsoft is doing with the Surface and the Surface Book are also interesting. And uh, yeah, so we'll see where it goes. But I think tablets are not going to go away, but I just think they're, they're maybe not what we thought they were. 
I have a bit of a different take, I think. Um, you know, I think Apple has kind of um, shot their sails in the foot with the iPad stunning longevity. You know, I have an iPad mini too. It has, you know, retina on it. And, you know, invariably when Apple upgrades it, it's like, okay, fingerprint scanner. Is that worth, you know, spending seven, $800 for a new iPad for? No, I'll just keep entering my code every time. And like, oh, picture in picture video, you know, is this really worth upgrading my iPad for? No, you know, I'm just going to sit, you know, still and keep using this. So I think like you have an iPad and let's be straight. We use our iPads primarily to surf the internet, you know, order things on Amazon to read emails that people send us. And, you know, I think year after year, there's just less of a, a reason to upgrade that than there is, say, your iPhone. Um, I also think that, you know, with the iPhone screens getting bigger last year, I think the, uh, the case for an iPad is just less and less, you know, compelling than it used to be. For me, I use my iPhone 6 Plus constantly. And, you know, my iPad use has um, you know, lessened in proportion to that. So, um, you know, Apple wins no matter what. But I think, um, you know, this, I remember when the iPad came out, and there was this leaked quote from Steve Jobs that he felt the iPad was going to be the most important thing he ever did in his career. And I was watching the Steve Jobs movie and kind of looking at these grandiose statements from Steve about you know, next and the the Macintosh when it shipped. And I think like it's another one of those um, another one of those situations where it just didn't end up being as big as they thought. Yeah, the thing that I always find fascinating about the iPad trajectory is it did incredibly well in those first couple of years, and then it just fell off a cliff and i think bree has got a good point about the upgrade cycle like i uh, recently gifted my ipad mini 2 to my cousins who were using my old original ipad um actually my, my mom's trying to remember but at that point it was like they they had to hit the wall with the original ipad because it, it wouldn't run anything past like ios 5 um so that ran into like serious problems but the ipad 2s and like stuff beyond then like they totally because they've maintained such heavy backwards compatibility it really does mean those devices are usable for a long time if not the best performers um, and so and I think on the, the flip side of the scale with the Macs improved, they said it particularly at one point that the uh, the new MacBook drove a lot of sales of the for the Mac category overall. And when you look at that, you look at something that gets even closer to a tablet in terms of the advantages of uh, weight and size and yet is arguably more capable at doing a lot of things. So um, in the same way that the iPhone is coming up from the bottom end to challenge the tablet, the Macs are coming down a bit. And so there is a question of, well, is there space in the middle or is it just like a really narrow niche? And so um, I'm really curious to see how the iPad Pro does because I think that blurs the line even further, especially with the keyboard add-ons. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. The tablet arena, I think, is taking a little bit of a dive right now. But I, I, like Andre, I think it's going to come back. I think we're going to be too soon to get a, a big picture look at it. Um, so thank you all for your opinions on that one. Let's move on to topic number two. Andre, what do you got for us? Yeah, okay. Ever since uh, Tim Cook said that, you know, uh, the future of TV is apps, I was like just nodding my head when he said that. And then I figured like Apple would maybe come out with a device like the Chromecast or the Fire Stick TV that is basically just, you know, like plumbing to, to your TV that just makes your TV smart. And instead they came out with something that costs $150 and has storage, right? So I'm just wondering why wouldn't they just make one of those, you know, little sort of make your TV smart devices as well? I'm just thinking, like, I just want to know what you guys think are the reasons for that. I think it's a great question. And I wouldn't, you know, I, I think 
I think Apple's focus with this Apple TV model that has, by all uh, reports, been in the works for a long time has been, how can we apply the App Store to the television? And they decided they wanted to have a little iOS device, that, uh, which is essentially what tvOS is. It's a variant of iOS and an App Store and let you, uh, you know, put stuff on, uh, up on your TV, whether it's media consumption or it's games. And, and I feel like this is, the, this, is the big, this is the big box for them. I wouldn't put it past them that they might do a small box. I actually wouldn't put it past them that they will eventually kill off that. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to kill off the little Apple TV eventually. But, but what if they killed it off and replaced it with something tiny that was more like an AirPlay uh, stick? It, 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 I'm not saying they'll do it. I think that it, it, I wouldn't bet on it. But I wouldn't bet against it because I think it's an interesting idea. And I feel like that, that cheap, uh, that, that cheap uh, stick kind of thing is a different kind of category from a more capable device that that um, sometimes all you really want is to be able to airplay to your TV and maybe that's a that's a forty nine dollar because who are we kidding it's Apple forty nine dollar uh, <laughs> stick it won't be twenty nine it won't be thirty nine maybe it'll be seventy nine uh, that gives you airplay and sort of like direct access to streaming from iTunes and things like that but not the full on experience although I've got a Fire TV stick and it still runs apps too I, in some ways it's not that different than the larger boxes it's just all mini miniaturized and with less storage and uh, presumably some less power. So I wouldn't put it past them. I feel like Apple is kind of finally shipping this product and this frees them to to, uh, work on other stuff because I think this product was clogging their vision of television for years because they got stuck on this idea that they were going to launch a revolutionary TV service in the US that they never have managed to launch. So I'm I'm open to the idea. I like my Fire uh, TV stick. It's it's fun for travel. Um, And I would love to have something I could plug into a TV and just uh, AirPlay enable it. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. I mean, I think they could do it. They could not do it. Uh, I don't think there's any evidence either way uh, to date. Um, I think think my... I, I think that for the time being, though, you're, you are going to see them throw more of a, more of a, an Apple sustained effort into you know, developing the new Apple TV ecosystem. Um, you know, I think like seeing them add more and more channels, kind of revamp the way that some of the features are already done on there, particularly, um, you know, Apple, the podcast feature. I was looking at the store the other day and it's, it's kind of still a wreck, you know. So I think what they need to do is kind of continue this sustained push into getting more channels on there, getting more content on there, you know, making this a viable product. And, you know, I have to advocate because it's my industry, them getting the game situation um, kind of under control. You know, it's it's really not a system currently that game developers really have a lot of reasons to invest heavily in. So I think for the time being, they need to focus on this new flagship product that's coming out. But I think long term, I, I think it's absolutely possible. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they will make a small one. I'm going to put a put a flag in the sand there because I think you know in the same way that they you know Apple talks about not competing in every market when it comes to computers or to tablets or to phones. Right? They don't make low cost phones. They don't make low cost tablets. Really, uh, I don't think they're necessarily as interested in in 
watering down the Apple TV experience, especially when they are trying to build an ecosystem. Uh, not to say I wouldn't like sort of an, I don't know, I'm going to call it an AirPlay Express. That's my, that's my name for it. Um, <laughs> I, I, bought a, uh, I bought a Chromecast Audio just on a kick and, and love the idea, but found that due to the lack of app support and built-in you know, support in the ecosystem and just realizing I didn't have a good set of speakers to plug it into, I was like, this does not really do anything for me. Um, so the idea of being able to like take AirPlay functionality with you, especially you go to a hotel room or something like that and just plug it in and get that is is a great idea. I'm just not convinced that they'll do it given the uh, focus that they lack or lack of focus, I should say, that they've put on things like that in the past. Uh, and, and like Bree says, I think that they're working really hard on selling this as a new platform, a new flagship. And I don't think that they want to dilute sales of that by providing some lower cost gadget that's like, oh, well, I can just buy this $50 gadget. I don't need to spend the $150 to buy a new Apple TV. I think that would really kind of tank that platform before it even gets started. So I think that the future is apps and I uh, look forward to the new Apple TV. Well, yeah, but you see, that's that's exactly my point because they just they started a whole new platform. That's the, what, the fifth one now? It's not, no, <laughs> whole, whole new is a strong way to describe it. it well, is, yeah, but it, it's still, ish. It does, it's still, yeah, ish. Okay, but you still have to like install apps and stuff. But yep. you think that, that, that line, I don't know who said that line, but don't bet against the smartphone. Maybe it was Marco. I don't know who said that first. <laughs> or at least I heard that first. But like the apps are already on your phone, right? And then like something like the Chromecast or the Fire Stick TV basically just makes your TV play the, like run the apps you want to run from your phone. And I don't know why you need that extra box in like in the middle. I just it just seems weird to me if the future of TV is actually apps. Like I don't know why you need a separate platform. That's that's the thing because like the Chromecast, I use it all the time, like with Plex and Netflix because I can use Netflix because I'm American. And then you know <laughs> it's sort of like it, it's it's pretty damn awesome, honestly. And I don't like I when the Nexus player showed up. I just had no interest in that. And maybe that's where Dan's right. Because, yeah, I don't know who'd buy an Apple TV for 150 if you could get, a, what was the uh, AirPlay Express for like 50 bucks or something, yeah. All right, well, that's two topics down. Uh, we're going to move on to the third topic, and it's me. So let me tell you, uh, Google announced yesterday, as we record this, that uh, they're getting into the podcast game. Google Play Music is going to add a podcast directory and support it in its app in the coming months, as they say, and they've asked podcasters to submit their podcasts to the directory. Apple did this with iTunes a long time ago, although uh, it looks like their approaches to the directory are very different, uh, that uh, Google is integrating this right into their uh, their music service, sort of uh, Spotify-like, in a way that uh, Apple didn't do with podcasts, where it's kind of living on its own. Um, we're all on podcasts. In fact, we're on one right now. So my what? question for all of you is, <laughs> is Google's entry uh, good for the medium or format of podcasting? Because some people don't like you calling it a medium, but whatever. Is it good for podcasting? And are you concerned that podcasting might become another front in this war for turf between all of the giant uh, tech titans that are out there? Um, Google, Apple, uh, who knows who else? Spotify, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, who knows who else might uh, use podcasting as the latest uh, front in their in their battles with each other. You know, I, I I kind of feel like if big money does get involved in it, and it does kind of become this uh, you know, new media battle. Doesn't that mean that we all won? I mean, right? Like you've been doing this for a long time, Jason. I mean, doesn't that mean that the viability of the medium finally won out? Um, you know, my my heart naturally goes out to you know people like Russell who does Pocket Casts, right? And you know, worrying that this could affect his sales. But you know, I'm I'm very happy to see Google supporting you know this this medium that I think is 
is you know both powerful for the audience, but also a really good way to um, for advertisers to get their message out there. You know, when I look at the Apple TV, one of my very favorite features on it is the podcast feature on there, where um, you know it's not just. Um, you know, audio podcasts like what you get on Relay, but, um, you know, it's newscasts. You know, there was a, a presidential candidate interview that I got to watch on Apple TV last week, and I wouldn't have been able to see that because I don't have cable. So I, I just obviously believe in the power of podcasts because I work in this industry. So I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, more official support from some of the most important platforms. Yeah. Uh, pod- I mean, I'm surprised in some ways that Google was not in on this earlier. seems like just the kind of thing that they would, you know, like to get their fingers into. Um, I do think that to a certain extent, it is a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think, you know, having Apple is kind of the de facto powerhouse in this category, right? And in some ways, that means that there's, you know, since there is less competition, if you want to go outside of it, if your show isn't, you know, discoverable in the iTunes store, it can really hurt your bottom line. So I think that having that as an option for podcasters is probably good dependent on the terms and conditions and what Google obviously is looking to take away from this, which is always a big question with Google. Um, and so I think that there's there's definitely good news for podcasters, probably good news for end users too, since uh, they'll have a lot more options, um, although it is you know certainly risky for those indie developers who have staked their claim on making podcast apps already. But that said, there is, depending on how much you want to argue about it, there is a market for pod, independent podcast apps on iOS. So I don't see why, you know, good ones on Google wouldn't survive as well. Um, so I'm not too worried about it, although I will get more concerned if they start just jockeying for position in ways that mean that you can only sort of be in one directory or the other. Like, you know, if they start trying to cut each other out, then I, I have more worries than than right now if they're sort of if they can peacefully live together. Uh, well, I actually sort of welcome all of this because, uh, well, I, I'm going to put an asterisk there because. Uh, just you guys in the U.S. can submit the RSS feeds right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a challenge. Mike Hurley tried to do it for Relay FM, and it's like, um, <laughs> well, yeah, it was can. even weirder for me because when I was at home this morning, I saw that and I was like, oh, I'm gonna submit them when I uh, when I get to work. And when I got to work, I'm not in America because I don't have a VPN oh. there, <laughs> so I couldn't do it. But yeah, I'm sort of looking forward to forward to it because the search and discoverability in uh, Google the Google Play Store is kind of awesome and in the app store it's really not and uh, as a guy from again not the US from Slovenia like Google sort of knows where we are most of the time uh, whereas you know I, I don't know if there's a person in at Apple that has ever looked at the uh, Slovene iTunes store <laughs> like because probably the numbers that go through there whether it be downloads or you know uh, app purchases are probably like seven people buy stuff there but you know uh, still like i do like the fact that if like google gets involved and they maybe they take notice of like the smaller countries i guess i'm hoping that's gonna sort of spur uh apple as well so m- maybe this is one of those you know uh, competition is good kind of scenarios at least as far as i'm concerned at it's at, at first then it's gonna turn into a war and we'll all just lose especially the <laughs> guys so you know i, I think well, like uh, the indie guys get screwed in the end but you know we'll, we'll see 
We'll see. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair point. I I, I think having more uh, players is a good hedge against one player dominating. And Apple's directory is and has been for like ten years the de facto directory for podcasts. So Google getting involved in that way is good. I'm not entirely sure that I I like where they seem to be going with the business model. Where because it's Google, they're 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 not going to chop up your show and replace your ads, which is nice. But they may stick ads on the end of your show before going on to an, another show, and that seems less nice to me and they want to it looks like they want the rights to re-encode things and cache them so that if you take them offline later that google can keep them which has some ramifications for some uh, podcasts that use their archives for premium content uh you know it, it, we'll, we'll see how it how it all uh pans out but i think in general i i actually am yeah feeling like having more players in this is good for now um it may become problematic later but it's good for now just to have more um more diversity in terms of who's counting podcasts and who's exposing uh podcasts to uh to listeners and uh and in terms of other podcast apps on android i would say you know there are a lot of third-party podcast apps on ios and uh the podcast app from apple hasn't killed them because they're going to offer features that the platform owners uh, app doesn't offer and i think that'll be true on android and so i'm not too worried about something like pocket cast but we'll see all right we have three topics down one topic left Bree, what do you have for us? Well, you know, it had been like two months before I had been in a, uh, since I'd been in a media circus. So, you know, it was time for that to happen again. Um, so Monday, South by Southwest um, kind of dropped this bombshell that, um, you know, they had given Gamergate and both women targeted by Gamergate um, a panel. And they received a bunch of threats, which is unsurprising. Um, and they you know, ended up canceling both of these panels, essentially. Um, it has been a, a real disaster for South by Southwest uh, as far as their reputation. You know, yesterday, Vox Media came out and said, you know, we are uncomfortable attending any of our panels if, you know, this decision isn't walked back. BuzzFeed made this exact same decision. You know, I put that out there publicly. Um, more concerningly, yesterday, um, author Chu wrote um, kind of a, a tell-all experience, um, you know, kind of laying out everything that happened up until this point on Monday, uh, which I was involved with, basically South by Southwest, um, really to an embarrassing degree, ignoring all feedback, not listening to any concerns of women actively being targeted by Gamergate during their panel picker process, refusing to moderate comments that would basically out people uh, involuntarily that weren't even related to it. And, you know, basically stepping up, violating their own submission process and unilaterally choosing to give Gamergate this panel. Um, so that has been going on. My question to all my panelists is, has South by Southwest permanently damaged their reputation here? Um, because what I see is, you know, not just a conference that made a mistake, but a conference has made such a big mistake, I think it's going to be hard for them to shake this public impression that they don't take the concerns of women very seriously. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm always skeptical when, you know, big 
organizations, and I, I mean, South by Southwest certainly isn't the, the hugest organization around, but uh, the idea that these things, you know, public or um, permanently affect their reputations. Uh, I think that, you know, it's not impossible for them to correct for this. Uh, I think they have to. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a boneheaded decision, and it's one that certainly doesn't look good, especially when the, the dialogue in this community and to a larger extent than in the national level has become uh, so focused on issues of inclusiveness and issues of harassment. And all of these things are such important things to talk about that the idea that we're just going to uh, be quiet about it because of threats, ironically enough, uh, for a panel on harassment because <laughs> to shut it down because of threats <laughs> seems particularly bad. Um, and so I, I just, I don't see how you can let that stand. And, and if they don't, you know, make some public mea culpas and, and try to walk that back a bit, I do think you're right that the, this is a permanent uh, damage uh, situation. I have never been to South by Southwest, but all I've heard is that it used to be good and now it's like this big <laughs> conference that's gotten really weird. So I think that panel is just maybe a symptom of that. That, you know, when stuff gets like pretty big, it's sort of harder to control what actually sort of happens there, I guess. And I think that just might be it. I'm not trying to excuse it in any way, but like I'm really not familiar with it. And the, the only thing like, like as far as like South by Southwest, uh, the, the, the reputation goes, that's all I know. That's the tagline. It used to be good. Like that's all I've heard. So apparently they're pretty much confirming that that that, that tagline. So that, that's all I have to say. I don't think anything is permanent. Like Dan said, I, I don't think, I think they could fix this. Uh, whether they are capable of doing that remains to be seen. Uh, but I think they could do the right thing here uh, one of the problems, though, with South by Southwest culture is this panel picker thing, the idea that the masses get to choose, which has always been kind of a signature of theirs, but it's always been kind of problematic because it it rewards it, it can reward people who try to gin up support uh, because some groups are more aware of this process than others, and it can reward the mob. And I think that they're reaping some of that right now, too. So is it unfixable? No, I think they could probably fix it. They got a black eye, but they could they could learn and grow and uh, make it better. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure, given how tone deaf and confused their rationale was the other day for canceling all the all the panels. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that they have the, the wherewithal to get there. But, um, you know, but I hope they do because it would be a shame to see them, uh, you know, completely blow it because, you know, that's always sad to see something totally implode because of bad decisions. I, I definitely agree with it. I think they can come back from it. Um, but I do think that this whole incident shows a really terrible bias in tech that is, you know, part of when we talk about women's voices not being heard, this is a really key part of it. So what happened with South by Southwest is you have women being harassed on one side, women that have had SWAT teams sent to their house, to their parents' houses, women that have you know, received endless death threats. Then you have the people sending those threats, the people doing criminal harassment on the other side. And then in the middle, you have, you know, essentially a bunch of dudes that, you know, feel like, oh, well, we're independent. We see all sides. We want to facilitate debate. And when you have like women on one side, criminal harassers on the other, and men sitting in the middle feeling like they are capable of the most objective view there, that is an equation that women are going to lose every single time. 
So I think it's really time to start talking about these biases in tech. And it's why it's so important to have women's voices represented at every step along the way. That was a good topic. I'm glad we talked about it. And uh, we just have time for the bonus topic. Dan is going to provide the bonus topic. I'm sure it is something meaty and weighty and interesting. Dan, what is it? Uh, It's Halloween. Uh, What has been your favorite Halloween costume of years past? Andre, I don't even know if Halloween's a thing in Slovenia, so educate me. Well, it's it's not a thing, but we do have the actual dress-up holiday, which is called Carnival, and it's in February, not a made-up thing like Halloween. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so we do dress-up, but we do it sort of towards the end of winter because uh, the masks are supposed to scare winter away. And apparently you guys welcome it, or yeah. I don't really understand We embrace that. the darkness. Log- logistical yeah. problem. <laughs> Winter is coming, basically. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Like, my, my absolute favorite costume from when I was a kid was being a ninja. Because nice. ninjas are cool. They, uh, my favorite costume when I was a kid, and I didn't really love dressing up in costumes. In fact, I very rapidly just decided I wouldn't. But I did. My mom bought me a... Uh, a gold shirt and uh, stitch some uh, little uh, gold uh, rings around the sleeves and we we cut a, 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 a jeans patch into the shape of the Star Trek logo and ironed it on and I was Captain Kirk and that was awesome. 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 I th- I think for me, uh, it would have to be my Zer mask in Destiny. I know Dan Warren's going to get that joke <laughs> yeah, and yeah, other I'm people so jealous are not. Too. <laughs> so yeah, Zer mask. That's pretty awesome. C- yeah. Current reference too. Yeah, wow. Uh, looking back to my childhood, definitely the uh, my Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi outfit, complete with green lightsaber. And more recently, if uh, oh God, more recently, 10 years ago, I think I dressed up as uh, Jane from Firefly. I think that was a pretty successful costume. Today was a great episode. Thank you all for being here. Uh, let's, you know, it remains only to thank our guest, Andre Tomic. Thanks so much for being here. Ah, thank you for having me on and being the squeaky wheel. That's an insight anyway. <laughs> and Brianna Wu, thank you for coming in and, uh, and saving us at the last minute. <laughs> Always a pleasure. All right, Dan, that's another one in the books. But uh, of course, we'll be back next week with more nonsense and topics as we always are. Hopefully more topics, less nonsense. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it. Ah, who cares? We'll see. <laughs> but until then, all we have to do is tell you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Clock, clock. Talk to me after the podcast. I'll see if we can step your jokes up a bit. We'll, we'll get you some writers. We'll get you some writers. Oh man, yeah. I need a punch up. We need like a like a script doctor here. Yep. Some sweetener. Comedy. We'll sweetener. chat. We'll chat. This will be great.